Okay. Let me get into this word because we've given Holy Spirit a lot of room this morning. And um, I'm talking about first fruits. Everybody say first fruits. And so it's important uh, to understand what, what God wants to do through first fruit. I first heard the first fruits teaching in 1990, 90, uh, 90 I think it was, might have been 91. And uh, when I heard that, I came home and told Susan, said, I heard a man teach heresy. I said, I've never heard anything like this in my life. And I think that was in 90. And uh, the, in 91, I had the same man come teach it in the church at Dyersburg because it took me a while to get my head around it. But here's what I want to, I want to paint you a picture of what God is doing, but I want to paint it from history first, and then we're going to go into this. And I'm going to bring something new into this message today that I've never taught with it before, a revelation that came to me. And it's just simply this. The, the first fruits is a sacrificial portion of the harvest you want to see completed. If you've got a house on the market and it's not selling, okay, then you w a sacrificial portion would be to sow some seed for the sale of that before the house sold. That's what makes it sacrificial. And we have watched people do this with it. But if you were a, not a covenant Israelite, when the harvest time came of barley and wheat, and that was the two main crops, some of the barley and wheat always ripens first. I, I know some of you have heard me teach this ten times, but you've got to get this down in your spirit. And so it ripens first, and if you weren't a covenant Israelite, you would go and harvest that. You would carry it home. You'd put it in a sack. You'd keep it away from moisture. You would keep it away from weevils and bugs and everything because that first portion represented your ability to plant another crop. But, everybody say but. If you were a covenant of light, you would go and harvest that first portion that ripens in a field. One of these days, I'm going to slow down enough and catch a wheat field when it has first fruits in it, and I'm going to get a photographer to go get some good pictures because it, you, you need to see this. I've seen it all my life. I come from farming. I understand it. But if you were a covenant Israelite, you would go and harvest that first portion. Can you say amen? And you would bring it as a wave offering, and you would give it to the priest. Because what you were saying, I'm not going to trust in my ability to have seed. I'm going to trust in your ability to give me seed because they didn't have the New Testament then, but they understood that he was the one that gave seed to the sower. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Yeah, chapter, uh, chapter 9, excuse me, chapter 9. And he gives seed to the sower. And so it's important that we release our faith in doing this. Now, I want to back up and, uh, and go into, let me find my notes here because I'm kind of scattered a little bit this morning. But in Hebrews 7, in verse 8, it says here, everybody say here. When it says here there, it's speaking about in the natural, here, mortal men receive tithes. Anybody ever tell you that tithing is not mentioned in the New Testament? Carry them to Hebrews chapter 7, verse 8. It is mentioned. Here, mortal men receive tithe, but there he receives them on whom it is witness. Are you hearing me? It is important to understand that tithing is still for today. Remember when Abraham went out, or Abram actually went out, and he gave the tithe to Melchizedek. That was before the law. Tithing and offering sowing has nothing to do with Old Testament, New Testament. It has to do with honor, and it has to do with faith. There is a difference between tithe, a tithe and an offering. Do you know that if you tithe, which is the first 10%, and you never plant seed, you'll, ne you'll live in blessing, but you'll never get the fullness of your harvest. 
Everything above the first 10% is seed. Everybody say seed. How many of you, I don't care how good a farmland you have, if you don't put some seed in it, you don't get a harvest. I don't care how good a heifer that you have or a mare that you have, if that heifer or that mare doesn't come in contact with a male species that can plant a seed, they're not going to bring forth an offspring. Are you hearing me? And so it's important to understand this. I'm looking for a scripture here, if I can, if I can find it. In, uh, in Proverbs 3, 9, and 10, it says, Honor the Lord. Everybody say, Honor the Lord. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of your increase. The first fruits of your increase. Why? So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. See, tithing is in relationship to the harvest you have. Everybody say, the harvest I have. How many of you got a paycheck this week? Hold your hand up. The first tent, you, that's the harvest you have. You, you worked hard for that paycheck. I don't care even if it's an easy job. You showed up every day. You did something. You got paid for it. But the first 10% is a portion of the harvest you have. But listen, first fruits is in relationship to what God wants you to have. How many of you know God's interested in your future? Amen? He's entering promotion. He's, in, he's interested in your promotions. He's interested in your debt-free living. Now, there was absolutely very little faith in the room when I said that. See, we've been so indoctrinated in, struggling from paycheck to paycheck, we quit believing that God can bring us into debt-free living. Amen? He can bring us to that. But can I tell you what? It, it, listen, you can't hope and get there. Hope is not a strategy. Well, I hope to marry a godly man then don't be looking for one out in the bars. There has to be a strategy. Amen? Carry your, you know, and that's on both sides of that, a godly woman. Secondly, tithing relates to what you make. First fruits relates to what God wants you to make. Can I, can I tell you a first fruit story? I had a spiritual son by the first name of Mickey. He worked for the company Clorox. One Sunday, I noticed he was sitting on one side of the church. His wife was on the other. It, you don't have to be a prophet to wonder what's up. You could tell there was a dynamics missing in their relationship. To the end of the service, I got them both. I said, what's going on? She looked at him and said, you tell him. I said, what's going on? He said, well, I, I went back into college. I'm going to college at night. And she doesn't like it. I work all the time and I'm in college at night and she's not happy about it. I said, why are you back in college? He said, because I can't advance with Clorox without having a degree. And so I'm back in college and I said, why? He said, what do you mean why? I said, why do you limit yourself to their systems? And he looked at me and said, what do you mean? I said, I believe and I use the word favor, but I would use the word providence today. It's a little bit different, at least in my understanding. I believe the favor of God can give you the promotion and the raise without having the degree. He dropped out of college. Three months later, one Sunday, he stood in front of the church and testified. I'm now the new so-and-so supervisor, even though I don't have a degree. It's the first time Clorox has done this in their history. Why? Because he released faith for God to do something supernatural to bring about something that God already wanted to give him, but he was operating in the natural and not in the spiritual, and he limited God from being able to do it. Are you hearing me today? See, some of you have dreamed long enough about your own businesses. Some of you, let me move it to another. Some of you have hoped long enough about your own businesses. It's time to get a strategy. You know what the problem in the American mindset is? We all want to start where Fred Smith's at today. We all want to start where Bill, Bill Gates is at or Mike Dell is at or 
you know, whoever out there, we want to, we want to start our, you know, our kids, our children, adult children. They want to, they want to start with a house as big as mom and dad have today. Lord mercy. I, I can tell you when Susan and I got married, I bought her a brand new home. It was a mobile home, but I brought her a brand new home. And one of the reasons we lived in a mobile home, cause I was a mobile home dealer and I could buy them for about half. And I did buy her a good one. Amen? Are you hearing me? And so we, we start somewhere and we grow into it. Another thing, tithing relates to past productivity. First fruits relates to future productivity. I'm very interested about what we're going to produce. I want, listen, I want fruit, but I want the fruit to remain. I was able this year... When I was planting my deer plots, oh, by the way, let's stop and pray for, anybody got a report on Mary? Not yet. yet. Mary Short, uh, Ed and Dinah's daughter, is uh, about to have a baby, and she's there at the hospital, and the last I was told that the hospital is short-staffed, and they still had her on a stretcher in in the emergency room. The waiting room, excuse me, the waiting room, okay? Wow. Father, we just lift up Mary and the doctors and this baby and Ryan and, and Diana and Ed and everything that's going on there, Father. Bring this child of destiny forth. Bring it forth with life and life more abundant and do so in Jesus' name. Where's Thomas? Who's the other person we're supposed to pray for? I've forgotten already. Oh, Rodney has uh, got a son that cut his eye real bad. We're doing some work. and cut. Father, we just send the word to Rodney's son. We command that eye to be healed. We command it's not permanently damaged. In Jesus' name. To the, to, uh, Vicky, you got the recorder. To the couple on the back, I know I greeted you earlier, but I just hear the Lord saying, decisions the two of you will make between now and the end of the year is going to set your next year on course. The Lord said, I want to visit you with some breakthrough like you've never had. And there's, there's been some, uh, there's been, I, don't, I can't tell where it's family or friend, but there's been some people that have, have turned their back on you and it hurt, it disappointed. But God said, I'm about to surround you with a whole new family. I'm about to surround you with a lot of new friends and I'm about to bring to you the breakthrough that you've been dreaming for. Get ready. Uh, in fact, I, I, this is a play on word, but the Lord wants to bring you into cool running. And I know that was a movie but about a bobsled, but I, what I just see, what's been hard to accomplish is going to come. There's a greater level of peace coming to both of you. The Lord said, I'm going to visit your home with my presence, and I'm going to bring you into a place of provision you've not seen before. Get ready, says the Lord. They'll get this word to you. Tithing protects what you have made. First fruits protects what you will make. You know that first fruits works like an insurance policy? Anybody have insurance on the vehicle you drove here today? Anybody carry uninsured motorists? We do. You know, uh, you know, the person that ran into the back of the rental car I was in right up here on Goodman a few years ago and totaled it out had no insurance. And they were texting. And they, you know, we pulled up behind a van, and the, a lady pulled out in the wrong lane. The van stopped. I stopped. And this car hit me at 55 miles an hour. And it, it, I was in a Ford Flex. This is not a commercial against Ford. All you Ford owners, everybody breathe deeply. But it hit it so hard and drove us in that van, it bowed the frame to the ground on that with it. And let me just tell you, airbags do not work when you get hit from behind. Or at least they didn't work in there. And it, I mean, it was, it was a horrendous thing. But God took care of us. One person in the car with us, their, uh, what was it? Their, something was detached in their eye. Yeah, the retina was detached in their eye. That's how hard we were hit. But for, tithe predicts what you have once it's been damaged. But First fruits acts like an insurance policy that rebukes the devourer for your sake. I, I share this every time, but when the tornado came through Dyersburg, Tennessee, I don't remember when it, what year it was, but it was 
with it. It went on both sides of our house, and our kids were there by themselves, took our barn, blew it five miles away. I found part of it hanging in the tree out by the radio station in Dyersburg, out where actually where uh, Cracker Barrel is now. It was hanging in a tree out there. And did all this damage and blew all these big trees over and all this stuff and everything with that, but yet it didn't, it bare, just barely damaged our house and our kids were saved. God rebuked the devourer for our sake because we were first, uh, we were people who practiced first fruits. Are you with me? Tithing represents our present needs, but first fruits represents the increase over the next 12 months. How many of you are ready for a bigger harvest? I'm ready for a bigger harvest. Are you hearing me? I, you know, I'm ready for someone to, uh, had someone call me uh, recently and told me they're going to they're gonna be launching a business and, and some things, and it could be that this business, they can pay off the ark up there. Amen? I, listen, I'm ready for that. I'd love to. I'm, I'm ready to go to phase two. I'm ready to start building some buildings up there on that property. I'm ready to get you up there to help us. You know, come up for a weekend and we work and hammer and 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 uh, and pray together and work together. I'm ready for that. But we've got to come into that place. Now, go with me to the book of Acts, and we're going to go to chapter ten, and we're going to go to verse one. And it says there, there was a certain man. Look at your neighbor and say, you are a certain person. I'm, I'm trying to, you know, th there was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius. He was a centurion of what, what was called the Itali Italian regiment. A devout man. Look at your, look your neighbor again and say, you're a devout person. Was a devout uh, I'm trying to find my place here, a devout person and one who feared God with all his household, who gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God always. And about the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius. And when he had observed him, he was, a, he was afraid and said, what is it, Lord? So he said to him, let he said, your prayers and your alms have come up for a memorial before God. Now, let me just share with you something. I heard a Dr. Todd Zeiger teach on the memorial offering recently, and Matt was there, and Matt Koss came to me, and he said to me, said, the way you teach first fruit, it's actually a memorial offering. And when you sow first fruits for the harvest you desire, it becomes a memorial reminder to God that you have got your heart set on the harvest that is yours, and it becomes that. And so even as Cornelius planted this memorial offering, let me go back and read that to you. So he said to him, your prayers and your alms have come up to you, have come up for a memorial before God, and Today, when we receive your first fruits, we're doing so so it can be a memorial. You can look back to it. When the enemy comes, Lord, I sowed a first fruit so my car wouldn't break down. And I'm going to have to carry it to Todd's shop and have it worked on. You can remind God of the memorial that you gave through a first fruit. The harvest is. You know, we've given first fruits so that our washers and dryers would not break down. And we had a Maytag washer. We had someone buy us a brand new set. I won't tell you what brand. I don't want to tell Yeah, I will. It was Sears, Kenmore. In the 80s, bought us a brand new set. And as soon as it, the dry, it was a washing machine, the yeah, washing machine kept breaking down. So I go to Romania. Go somewhere. And Susan, it breaks down. And she goes to see the guy, and the guy tells her, said, this particular model breaks down all the time. It was a brand new washing machine. And he said, I've got a Maytag out here. I'd, I'd swap with you for about what it's going to take to repair this thing. And Susan swapped it. That was a, it was leased. We're still living in that house in Haiti, so we moved out of that house in 1990. So 1990, when we moved in here in 2004, 
Okay, figure that up. It was already used when she got it, we'll say in 1990. I happen to know it was 1989 because it was the time I went on the trip and went to East Berlin. And so however many years that is, and so we moved here in 2004, and about October of 2004, our one daughter went through a divorce. Our son-in-law got sick, and our son was already living with us. We had three families, four families, I guess it'd be, four families living in our house, and that Maytag washing machine did not cut off for nine months. It ran constantly. And it ran, and then we gave it, was it to you, Dawn? You had it for a while, or was it Diane? I think it was Diane. We gave it to our daughter, Diane, and she ran it for years. But I remember sowing a first fruits offering so we wouldn't have them breaking down. And so it works as an insurance policy. See, your insurance on your car only pays after you've damaged it. But there's an insurance with God that rebukes the devourer for your sake. And God will do exceedingly abundantly above anything you can think or have. Now, let's talk about memorial giving for just a moment. In 1 Samuel, I'm not going to go there. But remember, Hannah was barren, and she prayed for a son, desperate prayer. She made a vow to the Lord, and she released the prayer, and, the requ- and she requested God, and she had six children. Amen. Then in 1 Kings 17... Remember the, the material food there with the, the, the widow and Elijah sent her to her and she was told to give him the first of all she had left. See what it did, her memorial offering there broke the fear off of her. You know, the scripture is very clear. The thing that Job feared the most came upon him. And we must understand that when we give first fruit, It operates as a memorial offering so that God looks down and you might say, well, God knows everything. He never forgets anything. And and I understand all that, but God wants to see the proof of your faith and he wants to have a memorial of your faith so that you can move into the place of future productivity that he has for you. In 1 Kings... uh, uh, broke off fear. Mark 12, there was a financial concern. It was the widow's might, and she gave out of her want. But it became a memorial offering. And then I've read to you about Cornelius. Are you seeing this? Just found this out. Dr. Miller was sharing with me, did some research on it. Am I going to teach it? I want to do some more research. But where it speaks about, in the book of Luke, about having a dim eye, how the eye is the light to the body and some people are dim, it actually is referring to a first fruits offering there. And, and, and the writer there was speaking about those that practice first fruit, it, oh, it's like cleaning the windows or opening the shades or raising the curtains so that the light of God can come in through the eye to a different place. So it's important to understand. Now I want to step back into first fruits for just a moment more. And just share just a few more things about first fruit, and then we're going to receive a first fruit offer. We always give you, normally give you 50 days, but I, I feel like, and I think it's 40, somebody look it up, December the 8th, it's the Sunday Dutch will be speaking here, but we're going to ask you, if you need to make a pledge today, we're going to ask you to set your faith and set your heart to pay it off by December the 8th. Are you hearing me? And we're going to be receiving it every Sunday. If you make a pledge, one of the things we always tell people, please uh, work to complete it. And you do that by giving something weekly. What is something? A dollar, five dollars, hundred dollars, you know, whatever that God uh, blesses you with to do it. You got to recognize the blessings of God. And when you recognize the blessing of God and you practice the blessings of God, you move into that place where God can do. Do you know that your first fruits offering has a loud voice in heaven? It speaks about in the book of James how that the, the held back wages had a voice, but then there was the wages of the workers. So your, your money has a voice. 
You walk into Best Buy's and you need a new computer, your money has a voice. You walk into the restaurant today that you might be going to, your money has a voice. You know, I love that our money in the United States of America prophesies in God we trust. Every time it exchanges, amen? I, how many of you have been seeing there, a lot of people are on a $20 bill because on each side it says 20, 20, 20. They're writing Trump in the middle of it. They're prophesying through their money. I like things like that. And I believe they're, they're, they're prophesying where their faith at. Where's your faith today? I'm not talking about the presidential election. I'm talking about, listen, let me just tell you the main thing. Get out and vote. Six, I, I think I've got it right, 6.3 million, I probably got it wrong, but anyway, it was millions of people did not vote in the la, that were Christian not in the last election. That, that ought to be a shame. Amen? It ought to be a shame. And if you're in Mississippi, you need to get out and vote in our governor's election. This is a very, very crucial election. The man that's running that is more conservative than the other person is not my first choice. But I want to tell you this, he, he is much better than the person that's running against him. I didn't think you could say from the pulpit and tell people how you're going to vote and you'll lose your 501c3. Come get it. I'm not afraid of the government. I don't bow to them. Yes, we have a 501c3. But I can operate without it as well as I can with it. Are you hearing me? Is this all right? Everybody okay? I'm, listen, we need to stand in that place of consecration. And when we do so, God will do. See, and when we understand this, it's important that we be willing. Now, what I want to do is close with this this morning. How many of you feel the unction that in your first fruits this time you're going to do so as a memorial that you can go back and remind God you know one of the first fruit stories in our life in 2008 our son sowed a first fruits offering for a raise company had told him he's going to get a raise he was expecting a raise but he sowed a first fruits offering didn't get the raise. Remember the economy busted? The housing thing busted? Things went down, not near me. People, he worked for a heat and air company. They weren't installing heat and air. Da, 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 da. Wasn't doing good. He was going to change jobs. I said, son, you're on the job you're supposed to have. Dad, I got to have a raise. They won't give me a raise. I said, they'll give you a raise. Listen to, don't listen to your dad. Listen to the prophetic voice through your dad. And I instructed him, and he did what I said. He had already sowed the first fruit. Listen, I knew that God wanted to do what he had sown for because he had already sown it in faith. Well, anyway, at the end of the day, he stood his ground. He went back to his supervisor. The supervisor turned him down again. But then the HR person came and talked to him, and he got a raise. $1,350 a month to stay at his job. A miracle raise. Are you hearing me? Because another company had offered to hire him for that amount, and they kept him. I don't know what it is you're needing. I don't know what it is you're believing for. But let me just tell you, when you sow a first fruit offering, it's seed. The tithe is not seed. The tithe entitles you to... Offering, all offerings empower you. How many of you want to be empowered? But when you sow a seed, listen to this. A seed stops an old cycle. I don't want to be too graphic, but think about a husband and wife when they procreate. When a seed, when a, when, when, when a seed is planted and a conception takes place, a cycle stops a birth comes forth and a new cycle begins. Are you hearing me? And God wants to break some old cycles. Some of you have been living paycheck to paycheck long enough. Everybody say long enough. Some of you need to understand you're sick and tired of being sick and tired. You're sick and tired of living with it. And listen, don't start doubting God. There are people not here today 
because they, they've, they did this. They've tipped God. They didn't release the right kind of faith. They've done this and hadn't worked for them like they thought it was going to work, so they just quit on God. I'm not talking about they're out killing people and backslidden and committing sin, but they quit. Rele- Listen, re- releasing faith with God is a lifestyle. It's not something we do on Sunday. We live this all the time. We sowed a significant seed in the meetings uh, there in Cartersville, Georgia, because the Lord spoke to me. He said, part of Sam Jones' history, he died in Arkansas, and his body was shipped on a train right through Memphis to Cartersville, Georgia. I was in Cartersville, Georgia, and the Lord told me, he said, he was on his way to Cartersville from Arkansas. You're picking up something you're going to carry back to Arkansas. I don't know yet what it is. I mean, wouldn't it be great, my first meeting after the first year in Arkansas, that I show up there in a town of 4,000 and 25,000 people show up? Listen, I'm not going to limit God. They're not coming to hear my preaching. They're coming to have an encounter with God. We've had too many meetings where people go to hear the preaching. We, listen, we were in Carterville. We wasn't that, Ray Hughes is one of the best speakers and historian that I've ever heard in my life. But we encountered God. God did something there. Can you imagine? I mean, anybody here, I, I think you didn't know about that. Can you imagine the Ryman Auditorium being built for evangelism? We saw pictures while we were there of the Ryman field where they had women's meetings there. Over three, at that time, over 3,000 women were meeting there in the Ryman Auditorium. The, the man Ryman owned 35 tugboats. I'm going to tie this into first fruit. Uh, river boats. And 32 bars and bukus of houses of ill repute. Are you hearing me? And so when Sam Jones began to preach in Nashville, the bars started not having customers and the prostitutes started getting saved and they wouldn't work in the houses anymore. And so Ryman and some of his goons decided they were going to go to this tent meeting and beat up on Sam Jones. And a little boy overheard the conversation. And he told Sam Jones, said, there's a group of men here tonight, and they're gonna, they say they're going to beat you up after the meeting. And he walked to the pulpit right after singing. And this is what he said. He said, I hear there's a group of men here going to came here to beat me up tonight. He said, well, you need to know. I weigh 135 pounds. But it's 135 pounds of backbone, and I'll be standing by this tent pole at the end of the service, just bring your best. And guess who was the first person to walk the altar, walk the aisle, and come to the altar and give his heart? Ryman. You know what he did? He took Vanderbilt students, which was a Christian school, and put one of them, one of the young preachers, in every bar in Nashville that he owned. He put them on the river boats. He shut down the houses of ill repute. Or, listen, it, it, do you know what Nashville was known for in its early days? The Athens of the South. Not Athens because of beautiful engravings, but because of the sin and the flesh. And yet there was a transformation begin to take place. You know, about the same time was a man named Billy Sunday. Billy Sunday did a, a six-week, I think it was four or six weeks in Boston one time, and so many men got saved, the bar shut down, they laid off firemen and laid off policemen because crime went down. You know why that so many men got saved? It was something different about Billy Sunday's meetings. 80% of them were men attended rather than women because he'd been a baseball player. I wish I could do one thing he did. He would jump up on the pulpit and do push-ups on his hands with his feet straight in the air. I don't want to see that too. That's better than the fair they had down here. But men would come to see it, and conviction would grab their heart. See, we need to sow a first fruit seed today for greater conviction coming upon the masses across our nation. I don't know if you know, but there's quite a few seats open here in this house. 
that pre-believers and sinners and and other believers could come and sit in these seats. But we, I, listen, I'm praying that a conviction and the fear of God begin to come upon the, on, upon the people of, of the Mid-South, upon this territory to where we see. I'm going to refer back to one thing about first fruits, and then we're going to give you a chance. Be asking God, do you, you know, can you sow today? Sow. There's offering envelopes, first fruits off, envelopes in the chairs there. If you want to give by credit card, you can do that. Debit card, you can do that. If you want to make a pledge, write it on there. Now, let me just tell you, do not make a vow to God knowing you're not going to keep it. Second thing I want to tell you, before you make this vow of first fruit, talk with the Lord about whether you're a tither. If you get paid 52 times a year and you tithe 51, you're not a tither. That would have been a real good place for that, that whistle off of the good, the bad, and the ugly or whatever that movie was. If you, listen, it, the tithe is the ter- first 10% of all of your income during the year. And I, I feel like that I have the privilege and honor and validation to preach this because when we did our taxes this year, we gave over 40% of our personal income away. Amen? Listen, it's about a harvest. He wants to empower you beyond. I heard a testimony out of Matt and Natalie recently in one of the conferences that we were at about some things they've accomplished in the last year about debt reduction. I have to tell you, I, can't, I, I was so proud of them. Because when I hear them say this stuff, I know they're, you know, I know they're hearing what's being said in this house. I close with this. When I got born again in 1982, I owed $783,000 and couldn't pay it. Much of that $783,000 was on 20% interest. We were so broke, we couldn't pay attention. I'm trying to lighten you up a little bit. And people ask me, how'd y'all get out of that debt? We gave her way out. Our trucking business was not making any money. We had 20-some rigs. We couldn't figure out how to tithe. You tithe off of your profit on the business. The business wasn't making any profit. But we got the notion, if we didn't give a tithe, or if we should have gave a tithe for $500 off the trucking bin, I'll say, that week our driver would fuel in Salisaw, Oklahoma, forget to pull the diesel pump, the diesel hose out of the fuel tank and drive off and drag the fuel, the fuel pump with him. And we'd have to, you know, we'd have to pay out. And so we decided, here, this is what we're going to do. I don't remember how much it was now. But this is how much we're going to give every week, whether we have it or not. Yes, I said that. If it comes down to paying your bills or tithing and giving offerings, my experience has been I tithe and give offerings. Are you hearing me? And so we began to do it. We gave our way out of debt. End of the story, we finally, we had a truck, uh, totaled out. We finally got an insurance settlement. It paid everything we owed except $17,000. I was already preaching by then. I went in and sat with the banker. I said, I know I owe you $17,000. I don't know how I can pay the $17,000, but I give you my word. I'll send you something every month. That, he drew my note out of his drawer. I, I knew they'd already paid my note off. He held the note. He, you know, pulled it out of the envelope. Nobody in here mature enough except me and Larry. Remember when they used to keep your notes in an envelope that was open on the end? He slid the note out where I'd signed it and tore it in two and said to me, it's the year of Jubilee. Go preach the gospel. Are you hearing me? See, some of you are so close to the breakthrough that you've been believing for, but you've become weary and well-doing. Listen, you've got to go through your through season to come into your due season. I planted 20 acres of food plots this year and ground so dry, 
And I ain't even been down there, but the farmer that I rent from called me the other, actually not a farmer, the rancher that I rent from called me the other day, and he said, man, that rain, every bit of that seed came up. I started to say this early and got sidetracked. I found some buck oats this year. Probably the only one in here I understand what buck oats is probably Jody. But when you plant buck oats, they come up every year. You ain't got to plant them the next year. They and I finally found some buck oats because I, that's just some I won't have to plant year after year. My point is, first fruits will continue to bring you a harvest. Are you hearing me? Can we just take a moment and you ask the Lord what you're to do? You want to know what we're going to do? We're going to, we're going to do some things on the building around here. We're going to catch some things up. I mean, not that we're behind on bills, but we're going to catch, there, there's a lot of things. We're going to sow. Uh, I don't want to make a big deal, but we're putting together a strategy right now. Jesse and uh, Taylor and Jamie Taylor, uh, Jesse's found a, a nonprofit uh, group that will help him with some of the uh, uh, brain injuries that he took when he was over in in Iraq, wasn't it? Over in Iraq. And he's, you know, he had what, like, I think seven IEDs go off, a bunch of them. They called him the angel man. And he struggled with uh, post-traumatic stress disorder. If I got it right, I always get it backward. But what I'm trying to do, they found somewhere in Atlanta, Georgia, and they're going to go, and he's going to go through that. We're going to take some of this and help them. They're going to need, uh, the elders are going to put together a plan. They're going to need some help with their children. You know why I do it. Jamie's going to need to be there some with him. The children are not going to need to be there some with him. He's going to get healed. First time I saw Jesse Taylor, the Lord spoke to me about his healing. You know, Dutch was here 1st of October, and he, uh, uh, I think most of you know, but there was a time a few years ago that Dutch sowed a pretty significant financial seed into Jesse and Jamie, and he asked me, he said, because Jesse had cut his hair, and he said, isn't that that guy that, that's a vet? And I said, yeah. He said, you know, with it. He said, yeah. And he leaned over and told Cece and pointed him out and everything with that. I'm just telling you, Jesse's going to be healed. You know why? Because there's a gift in him. There's a, there's a communication gift in him. There are things that he's going to do. Who knows? Through Jesse and Jamie Taylor, we might have a, an extension of ministry one day that works with vets to help them get healed. Didn't God promise us in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, comforting those who are in any trouble by the comfort you were comforted in your own trouble? I want to tell you, God had to heal our marriage 100 years ago. But we have seen hundreds of marriages healed since then because the very thing he did in us, he can now flow through us so that other people come. Are you hearing me today? It's 1221. Everybody know what they're to do? Anybody need to know how to spell million? One of these days I'm going to say that to an audience and it's going to count with someone. Are you hearing me? A guy I know in Cardiff Wells, in a Reinhardt Monkey meeting, got a word. He said, there's somebody here, a businessman. You didn't come here to be in this meeting, but you just saw all the cards and came in to see what it's about, but God sent you here to sell a million dollars. He wrote Reinhardt a check for a million bucks. Somewhere down the road, it's happening. And it's not going to benefit us personally. Are you hearing me? It's going to benefit the kingdom. You got your offering envelopes? Here's how I feel. I feel different today because this is a memorial offering. We're going to set the, the baskets out. Can we uncover? Can we get another, ba- uh, another basket? Jerry, you got one there? Bring it up and put it at the front. Before you leave here today, you come and you sow your first fruits. I'm going to pray over you now. We're not going to pray over you as individuals. The elders will be here every Sunday after this until December. What's the first Sunday? It's 8th, isn't it, Dawn? Have I got it right? 8th of December. They're going to be here to receive your first fruits. But what I want you to do is bring it. And I want you to I want to say, Lord, I'm sowing. 
this $500. I'm sowing this $100. I'm sowing this $30. It's a memorial to you because my harvest, the fullness of my harvest is coming. The promotion, the sale of your house, Michael, the, the new house, wherever that you want, the promotions with St. Jude. And by the way, I just read an article the other day where uh, one of the Trump children raised umpteen million dollars for St. Jude. Thank God. Thank God. They have the ability to raise that money, and thank God. Y'all pray me a Trump into my life. I'd, you know, pray me somebody. There are people that could easily play off the art and build the building and build the camp and everything up there. They just need to hear about it. And let me just tell you, can I, can I just really get out? I'm not sure it's not Kanye. Had a dream. And he told Susan, had it last night. And Kanye told me, he said, we can bring kids from the inner city. I want to help you do this. Might not be, you know, sometimes people don't represent who they, that person, it represents someone able to, but it's coming. We're going to take, we're going to take young people up there. Wouldn't it be great to run six or eight 21-day camps a year. The more we can get through there, the more we can heal the soul of this nation. I feel another important thing, because it's a memorial offering, we did this when, when we were in Little Rock a few weeks ago. We wrote down what we were believing for. Uh, there's not a space on these envelopes, but maybe when we order the next thousand envelopes or whatever, I'm sure we have a bunch of them, but right on the back, what you're believing for, and then write it in your phone, write it on your, your notes app or wherever you can return back to things. And obviously it's something that's on the forefront of your thoughts and your need or your, you know, things you're believing for, but write it down, sell the old house, believing for a new house, paying off the ark, write down what you're believing for here on the envelope, write it down in your journal in your notes whatever it was it was just interesting that we wrote down our memorial offering when we sowed it in little rock and those that were receiving the offering and opening the envelopes would pray over that specific thing and i felt that there was power in agreement there that you would write what you're believing for so that those that are obviously the money is going into a need right it's going into an, an account you know, to meet some needs in this building. But those that are going to open this are going to contend with you, and that's going to be the power of agreement that aligns with your memorial that is First Fruits. Not only that, but I'm going to have those that open it to make a list of everything that is written on the envelopes, and we're going to pass it out to intercessors so that you can, uh, you can be praying over all the needs that are mentioned on these envelopes. Y'all can do that. And, uh, and just make a, we can make an email and get it to Mary and get it to others so we can be praying over this. This is important. Y'all remember when we had people put their prayer petitions out on the, the entrance out there and we prayed over them. This is an important time. We're about to enter into 2020 and this could be, this could be the mo one of the most significant first fruit that you've ever given. I'm going to tell you, things are going to drastically speed up in 2020. They're, they're going to speed up. Uh, I heard the Lord the other day, we're going to do a wealth transfer conference here next year. I'm trying to chisel out the dates right now. But one of the things the Lord told me the other day, he said, when you, as you have entered, we've already entered in the new Jewish year. He said, you've entered into a time that the plowman's going to overtake the reaper. He said that to me the other day. So that means the seed you're about to plant is going to reap a harvest quicker than you believe for. Would you stand to your feet? If you're watching out there by web, I know some people said they were going to today. You need to plant them a more offering. City gate is fertile soil. So then our fertile soil. Uh, can I just share a testimony? Someone sowed a a first fruits offering into Susan and I this week. They were in a dry spell. They have Airbnbs. And they had not rented one of their Airbnbs in weeks. They sold it one day over the internet, and the next day 
booked for over $3,000 in bookings of an Airbnb with that. And the only thing they wrote is said, I, I'm so blessed because y'all are fertile soil. We're, listen, you're not sowing into us personally. I want to make sure you understand that. But you are sowing into the vision that God has sent us here with. And there are things that, that we want to do, uh, you know, with it. If, you know, if, as the first fruits are given and reach a certain place, I, I really am ready to see about us replacing the carpet here and some things like that that need to be done. It, you know, I really wanted to wait till we were debt free, but I feel like we need to begin to get some prices. And let me just tell you what we're going to do. We're going to pay a little bit more and buy carpet squares. So when a spill comes in, because we have to use this building, when a spill comes, we can take that one carpet square up and replace it. We're going to order in extra ones. It's going to take a little bit more money to do it, but by doing that, you know, e you know, even in the foyer out there, by doing that, we're in better shape for it. And the other thing I want to tell you, we're going to, we're going to be doing a uh, Passover meal uh, this next year. I'm going to have Dr. Miller come in. We're going to do it in here and, but, because we'll fill up. Uh, with it, you know, we're we're gonna we're gonna ask people to give an offering toward it and register for it, so we'll know how many people are coming and prepare. But see, we need to do do this about I, I you know I I was up here the other day, just came up to look at something, and I was walking through the building, and I just feel that I, you know I really would like for us to got debt free and just paid cash for it. But uh, I'm just telling you, I feel like it's time to do this. Amen. Did you write on your envelope? All right, let's receive this. Go ahead and just bring it up. You, you, you make your memorial. Father, we just declare increase over every person. We thank you, Father, that they are moving from being entitled and moving into being empowered. I thank you, Father, what you're going to do is exceedingly abundantly above. Above what? Above anything they've asked for or thought about. Father, I bless them and declare to them they are moving into a place of your provision like never before. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen.